My great-grandmother, <coughs> excuse me, my great-grandmother was an amazing woman. Her name was Inez, uh, and Inez uh, passed away at the age of 99 uh, several years ago. Uh, she was awesome, and uh, she was 70 years old the year that I was born. I was her first great-grandson, and uh, uh, we had amazing times together. Uh, my my great grandmother was so cool. Uh, I would walk from my house uh, to her apartment in Crown Point, and I'd walk over there. I'm like eight or nine years old. I walked to Grand's house. We called her Grand, and I walked to Grand's house. And Grand and I would toddle down to McDonald's in downtown Crown Point, and we would have uh, a cheeseburger. And then we'd go back to her apartment, and, and she would just. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm an eight-year-old kid, right? And so Grant has all kinds of cool antiques and stuff that I got to play with. And I, and I am certain, I am for sure, that I was a total bother to her and that I was driving her crazy. Uh, she had one of those old-school typewriters, the kind with the you know what I'm talking about? And I would sit there and push all the keys at once, just wham, you know? I mean, it was like, you know, and my, my you know, a 78, 80-year-old grandma was like, ah, you know, she's losing her mind. Um, I'd play with her TV, turn all the channels and stuff, all the stuff that my parents wouldn't let me do, I would do those at Grand's house. And uh, so, I mean, we had so much fun together, and uh, I would look through her stamp collection. She had this huge stamp collection, you know, and, and I'm sure she's just like white-knuckling it the whole time I'm opening up her stamp books. But uh, Grand was amazing. She was the head, uh, the president of the BPW, the, the Business and Professional Women's Association of Gary, Indiana, uh, for many years. Uh, she was a librarian. Uh, she, was, she worked at uh, U.S. Steel for many years. My great-grandmother uh, went to the same college that Ronald Reagan went to. In fact, uh, she was a senior when he was a freshman. We have like her yearbook, and there's Ronald Reagan in the yearbook. It's, I mean, my great-grandma was cool. And, and I mean, Grand was great, and she was never, she never let on that she was annoyed by me or bothered by me at all. And I remember being a punk teenager, okay, just a, a, just a total doofus, and uh, we would, uh, after she went in the nursing home, we'd go and see her at the nursing home, and I, and I know that the look on my face just indicated my own bothersome and annoyance with having to be there, and I mean, what a, I was a jerk, and uh, I, I have a lot of apologizing to do to Grand when I see her in heaven someday uh, for the way that I acted when we go see her. But, you know, when it comes to annoying and bothering people, none of us want to be a bother. I, I remember Grand saying that all the time. I, I just don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a bother. You know, we don't want to be a bother to people. We don't want people to think that we're bothersome or, or annoying or a nuisance. And yet, you know, we can tell, right? We can tell when somebody is annoyed by us. We can tell when someone is bothered by us, kind of like the looks on your faces right now. Sean, why are you bothering us? It's what I get paid to do, folks. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and when people get bothered by our stories or they get bothered by uh, our situations, our circumstances, and we start to wonder, you know, does God feel that way about us? Does God ever feel bothered by us? Does God ever feel annoyed by us? You know, we think to ourselves, well, you know, God's got more important things to do than worry about me. God's got more important things to do than be concerned about my situation. God has more important things to do uh, than to be uh, concerned about me and, and my family or me and my job or me and my health. And we start to wonder if we bother God. We start to wonder if we annoy God. And I'm here to tell you today that I know 
100% for certain that you do not annoy or bother God. That God is not bothered by us. God is not annoyed by us. No, 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 no. We're going to talk today about Mark chapter 5. And in Mark chapter 5, we see some people who could have been seen as bothers to Jesus. Now, we started this series back at the first week of January. We are going through the entire book of Mark in 16 weeks. There's 16 chapters, and we are covering the entire book of Mark in 16 weeks, one chapter per week. Now, uh, the, the amazing thing about Mark's gospel is that uh, Mark's gospel uh, is, is a a wonderful biography. I don't know about you, but I am enjoying this series very much. Anybody of you enjoying this series? Yeah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I didn't write it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Mark wrote it. Um, but it's fascinating just hearing the stories of Jesus again, you know, and, and almost hearing them like, it, like for the first time. It, it's such a, a great book. Uh, the book of Mark is a gospel um, that is a, a, a biography of Jesus written by a man named John Mark who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Peter. And so he would write down the stories that Peter would tell and he would write down the, the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did and he compiled them into this biography that we know as the book of Mark. And like I said, we're taking it one chapter a week and this week we're going to look at chapter 5. So if you brought a Bible, great Pull it out and turn to Mark chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 710 of that Bible. Um, or you can follow along on your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet like Bible Gateway or YouVersion. Uh, just so you know, in about at, uh, at our Unashamed Night, in about four weeks, we're going to debut a brand new tool that you'll be able to use here on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights uh, during our worship services. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, and you'll see, hear more about that in the coming weeks. So, uh, but for right now, we're in Mark chapter 5. And, and Mark chapter 5 begins uh, with Jesus and his disciples getting in a boat and going to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee was a large lake um, in northern Israel. And uh, they're going from Capernaum to the east side of the lake. Now, this was a region that was not Jewish. It was a Gentile region. And so they go to this region... And one of the themes we're going to see in Mark chapter 5 is the theme of, of unclean things. And so they're going to the region of the Gentiles, and they arrive in the region of the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles were considered unclean, so that's your first indication. They're in the, uh, if you've heard of the Golan, uh, the Golan Heights, have you heard of the Golan Heights? This is the, that region is where they are. So this is, it's, it's, Jew, it's not Jewish, it's Gentile. And when they arrive, a man comes running out of a graveyard comes running out of a cemetery. Now, cemeteries were also considered unclean because they were full of dead bodies. And if you touched a, a dead, if you were a Jewish person who touched a dead body, you would then be unclean. It would have to go through purification, right? So this guy comes running out of the graveyard to meet Jesus and his disciples. And this guy is foaming at the mouth. He is demon-possessed. He cuts himself with stones. He is naked, like naked except for chains on his wrists and ankles and that's it so jesus and his disciples land on the the east side of the sea of galilee and crazy naked demon possessed guy comes running out of the graveyard to them and and if i'm one of the disciples i'm like oh so this is what kind of day it's going to be so this guy comes running up to them and says what do you want with us what do you want with us all right let's pick up the story in mark chapter 5 verses 6 through 10 
When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And one of the other themes in the book of, in, in Mark chapter 5 is the theme of begging. And so you've got this demon-possessed man begging Jesus not to torture, the, the demons inside of him are begging him not to torture them. Two things. One, uh, when he says, my name is Legion, just so you know, a Roman legion had 6,000 soldiers in it. 6,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. So when he says, my name is Legion, there's like 6,000 demons inside this guy. And he is, woohoo, yeah. And um, nearby, there are pigs. And again, another sign of unclean. Pigs were unclean animals. And you got these pigs that are grazing on a nearby. And there are people watching the pigs. 2,000 pigs, by the way. 2,000 pigs grazing. And uh, they ask Jesus uh, to send them into the pigs, the demons. Say, so send us into the pigs. Jesus allows them to go into the pigs. That's three demons per pig, by the way. I don't know what a demon-possessed pig looks like. <laughs> this is a great story, right? This is just awesome. I mean, this is great. And so you got 2,000 demon-possessed pigs who all of a sudden go, and take off for the sea. And they run to the Sea of Galilee, and they do this, I don't know, I don't want to call it a swan dive, maybe a swine dive. So they do this swine dive, into the Sea of Galilee, and they drown. Imagine you're one of the pig herders. And you hear, what's going on with the pigs? What's going on with the, where are the pigs going? <laughs> you know, and, anyway, they run into town to tell the people what's going on. Look at verses 15 through 17. When they came to Jesus, these are the townspeople that come out to Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid we're going to call him mitch okay so mitch crazy naked demon possessed guy is now i'm sorry if your name is mitch i apologize um you are not demon possessed i hope uh but uh, if you're watching online i hope you're not demon possessed um but so mitch is sitting there now he's dressed i don't know where they got the clothes from but uh he's dressed and he's just sitting there with jesus and the townspeople come up to him See him in his right mind. Uh, verse 16, uh, 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 it says that they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead. Remember the theme of begging. They began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They are terrified. We don't know who you are, Jewish man, but, and we don't know where you came from, but you need to go back. And they beg Jesus to leave. And Jesus says, fine, we'll go. And the demon-possessed man, Mitch, Mitch says to Jesus, take me with you. He begs Jesus, he pleads with Jesus to take him with him. And Jesus says, no. But what I want you to do is I want you to go tell your family about what God has done for you. And there's a real important lesson there. That we need to tell people about what God has done for us. And so he tells Mitch, go and tell people what God has done for you. It says he went to the Decapolis and told everybody. Uh, Decapolis is a word that means 10 cities. So Mitch goes through 10 cities telling everybody about what God had done for him. 
Jesus and his disciples get back in the boat and they go back to the other side. They go to Capernaum, which is kind of Jesus' home base. So they go to Capernaum and, and there is a Jewish leader of the synagogue named Jairus. Now notice, Jairus is mentioned by name. He is a well-known individual. Uh, he is someone of importance. Okay, so Jairus is an important guy, enough so that Mark mentions him by name. And we get to um, verses 22 through 24. Look at these verses. One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there to where Jesus was. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. Again, this begging. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, everywhere Jesus goes in the book of Mark, there is a huge crowd of people around him, and they are just jostling him and, and bumping into him. And you've got this huge crowd of people all around Jesus. Jesus wasn't bothered by Jairus. He wasn't bothered by the demon-possessed man, and he wasn't bothered by Jairus either. Jesus wasn't bothered by these people. Um, we get to the... Uh, uh, a woman um, who is bleeding. Uh, in fact, she's been bleeding for 12 years. Again, the theme of unclean things, uh, unclean people. Uh, bodily discharges were considered unclean, especially for women. And there, there were purification rites they had to go through after their cycle. And so this woman has not been, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She has spent all of her money Every cent that she has, she has spent all of her money on doctors, and doctors can't help her. Nobody can help her. Nobody can cure her. Nobody can heal her. Look at verses uh, 27 through 29. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Um, that's faith right there. That is faith. Verse 29. Immediately... Her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So you have this woman who, Mark doesn't mention her name. She's completely anonymous. You have Jairus, the, the, the leader of the synagogue, this important person who's leading Jesus to his house. You have this anonymous woman come up, and she just says, and, and both people have great faith. G, Jairus says, you can heal my son. Uh, you can heal my daughter. And, and the woman says, you can heal me. And she reaches out and, and touches his clothes. And immediately, another theme in the book of Mark is things happen immediately. And, and sure enough, she's healed immediately. But look at verses 30 and 31. At once, again, immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples say, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? Jesus everybody's touching you. Everyone's trying to get a, a hold of you. Everyone's trying to just touch you and reach out. And yet Jesus knew that this woman had touched him, that he felt the power go out of him. He, everyone's touching him and, and bumping into him, and, but he could feel this power go out and heal this woman. Verse 33. They're looking around to see who did it, and the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet third person to fall at Jesus' feet. The demon-possessed man, Jairus, and now the woman. The woman fell uh, at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. All she wanted to do was remain anonymous and all she wanted to do was be healed. And now she was, and yet she has to go out in front of this entire crowd 
and explain what happened. Jesus says this in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It wasn't his clothes, and it, it, but it was his power. And it was her faith with the power of God, with the power of Jesus that brought healing to her body. Jesus was not bothered by the demon-possessed man. He wasn't bothered by Jairus, and he wasn't bothered by this woman. Jesus wasn't bothered by her. Don't forget about Jairus. See, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And Jairus is looking at Jesus going, but what about my daughter? One of the commentators I was reading said that you can almost see Jairus kind of like bouncing on one foot to the other, like, come on, man, we gotta go. We, my daughter is dying. Come on, Jesus, we gotta go. My daughter's gonna die. Some servants come from Jairus' house. And they bring the bad news that his daughter has died. Verse 36. Uh, they ask, they tell, they tell Jairus, why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Just believe. They all go to Jairus' house. Jesus kicks everyone out of the room. He takes some disciples with him and, and Jairus, and they, they go into where she is. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. <laughs> and they laughed at him. But they laughed at him. You have demons confessing him as the son of God. You have Jairus whose faith says, come heal my daughter. You have this woman who says, I have so much faith that if I just even touch his clothes. And then when Jesus says, she's not dead, she's only asleep. She was dead though, that it was a euphemism for death. But he knew what he was going to do. And, and, and they laugh at him. They laugh at him. Verse 41. He goes into where the girl is. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha ka'um which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. One commentator said that a better translation of that, little girl, I, tell you, I say to you, get up, is probably, little girl, it's time to get up. Like he was waking her from a nap. Only she, she wasn't sleeping, she was dead. And Jesus raised her from the dead. You see, Jesus wasn't bothered by Jairus. And he wasn't bothered by the the demon-possessed man. He wasn't bothered by the woman who was bleeding, and Jesus wasn't bothered by death. Because Jesus overcomes death, and he raises the dead back to life. And that is exactly what he did, and he restored this daughter to Jairus and his family. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you believe in him, as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. When you turn away from your sins in repentance, and you repent from your sins, you turn to God for forgiveness. When you confess your faith and get baptized, God not only washes away your sin, but he, he adopts you into his family, and he makes you his child. He makes you his son. He makes you his daughter. And you become part of this incredible family of God. And here's the one thing I know about God as your father is this, that you're not a bother to the father. 
Jesus wasn't bothered by the demon-possessed man. He wasn't bothered by Jairus. He wasn't bothered by the bleeding woman. And he wasn't bothered by death. And he's not bothered by you. You're not a bother to the Father. Would you say that? Repeat after me. I am not a bother to the Father. One more time. I am not a bother to the Father. Sometime this week, you're going to be going through your week and you're going to be saying to yourself, man, what would God ever want to do with me? Why would God want anything to do with me? Why would God even care about me or be concerned about me? And I'm telling you right now, you need to remember those words that I am not a bother to the Father. You are not a bother to the Father. When you take Him, your concerns, and when you take Him, your pain, and when you take Him, your heartache, he doesn't, he's, it's not that he, he's not disinterested. He is not aloof. He is not unconcerned. He is intensely interested in every aspect, in every area of your life. He loves you that much. And he sent his son Jesus to prove it. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was to show you that you are not a bother to the Father. And so your job situation, that job situation that you're facing where you hear that their cuts may be coming, he knows all about it. And you're not bothering him when you, when you talk to him about it. Your situation with your spouse just can't get along. You're not sure if you're going to stick it out and not sure if you're going to make it. God's not bothered by you when you cry out in the night, Lord, fix this. God is not bothered by your health or your health scare or your health concerns. When you hear those words, there's nothing more we can do. God's not bothered by that. God's not bothered by you and your fears or your worries or your anxieties. You're not a bother to the Father. God is not bothered when you bring to Him your kids or your grandkids. You know how sometimes when you show people pictures of your kids and your grandkids, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's not God. That's not God. No, God is intensely interested in every aspect, in every area of your life, and He cares about every single part of your life. And he sent his son Jesus to show you just how much he loves you. And just how much he means it when he says, you're not a bother to me. You're not a bother to the Father. Sometimes you may feel like that. You may feel like, you know what, God has more important things to worry about. He's got, he's got to worry about peace in the Middle East. What does he care about me? I'm telling you, he cares about you. And he's big enough. And he's strong enough. And he's God enough to take care of anything going on in the Middle East and to take care of you too. God is big enough and he's strong enough and he's God enough to take care of what's happening in Washington. <laughs> that mess. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of you really like politics. I see you on Facebook. God is big enough to handle what's going on in Washington and to handle what's going on in your life. And I'm not going to promise you that he's going to, you know, turn everything into sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. There are still 
tough days to go. And there are still tough times that you're going to go through. And there are still going to be situations and circumstances that you can't control. But God can't. Because God is big enough. And he's strong enough. And he's God enough to handle whatever it is you're going through. And he cares about every aspect of your life. He is not annoyed by you. He does not see you as a nuisance. And he is not bothered by you. He was not bothered by those in Mark chapter 5, and he's not bothered by you. And when we realize that, when we realize that God is not bothered by us, and that God truly does care for us, and he truly does love us, then he's not just some, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, get away from me, kid, you bother me. That's not God. He loves you. And he loves us. And, and he is willing to move heaven and earth. And willing to move mountains. To show you his love. And I believe that today he is saying to you right there where you are. What he said to Jairus. What Jesus said to Jairus he is saying to you. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And when we do that, God shows up again and again 